Welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing, and uh, thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode. Uh, we've done 10 regular episodes. If you add in the one post-game podcast, that makes 11 total 10,000 Pitches episodes. So whether this is your first listen or now you've listened to all 11, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, subscribe if you have not on your preferred platform. You know what? And if you listen to the pod on multiple platforms, you know, feel free to subscribe on all those because that definitely, uh, it does nothing but help us in terms of where we're ranked and, uh, and how we're uh, kind of shown on those platforms. Also, if your preferred platform, um, you know, allows for ratings and reviews, uh, by all means, feel free to do that. And I always say this every week, but I mean, it's please, please, please make sure that those reviews are your legitimate thoughts on the podcast. So if you love the podcast and you think we're five stars, you know, feel free to leave five stars. Obviously, we want to see those come in. But I mean, if you have constructive criticism or you think this podcast can improve and maybe you only want to leave three stars, maybe you think this is like one of the worst soccer podcasts you listen to in your life and you want to leave two or one stars. I'm okay with that too. Just make it legit and uh, you know, give some uh, constructive uh, feedback if you do have those thoughts. Um, today, I'm going to talk to Jacob Schneider. We have a, a lot of college soccer that we're going to talk about this week because college soccer is making a lot of news. A lot of conferences are opting to uh, postpone their fall seasons or cancel their fall seasons altogether. The MIAC, which includes St. Thomas, is one of those that decided to postpone. Jacob Schneider goes to St. Thomas. He's written about the St. Thomas football team and soccer team before in the past. Uh, currently, obviously, writes for Minnesota United for both MLSsoccer.com and Epluribus Lunum. So we're going to talk to him not only about Minnesota United and how they've advanced in the MLS's back tournament, but we're also going to talk about uh, you know, St. Thomas's jump to D1, the MIAC and other conferences' decisions to postpone their fall seasons, and, and kind of what those situations might look like moving forward with, uh, obviously, coronavirus still playing a major uh, part in our lives. So that interview is coming up a little later on. But speaking of college soccer, we have a very special guest to start the podcast. He is the newest member of the 10,000 Pitches team. His name is Ethan Brandt. He is a soccer player at UNW St. Paul. And uh, he has been helping us out with the social media and stuff with the online marketing last few weeks. And he's been a, he's been a rock star with it. So Ethan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Um, I would, uh, maybe next time for my intro, I'd like uh, my full title, my CEO, head of HR, Okay, head of yeah, we can, um, we can add that stuff in. I'm taking notes right now. Yeah, yeah okay. Chief Financial Officer, because this podcast makes no money, so that's right, a right. title we can just give you here. And I mean, everything but, but the talking, you kind of, uh, you dabble into here, so. It's great to be on this side of the mic. Yeah, exactly. It's good to have you on and kind of introduce you. Uh, what's funny is I had a lot of my friends the other the other night, one of the Minnesota United games, I think it was the Colorado game. They were messaging me and texting me because they were concerned about me because they saw me interacting back and forth with the 10k account. And they're like, dude, are you talking to yourself on, on Twitter? Like, is everything all right? And I was like, nah, we're good, man. We got somebody else handling that now. Like, it's all good. So no, if you see me interacting with the 10k account, I'm not, uh, I'm not having a conversation with myself on social media. That's all even. Yeah. I, uh, I was thinking about that, like kind of the first couple of times I sent tweets and like you would respond back. Like if no one knows that I'm on the other end, that must look kind of, kind of funny well, trying to boost it, You were roasting me in the tweets too, which is totally fine. I can, I can handle it, but it's like, people are like, is he having like a roasting yeah. session with himself right now? Like what is going on? So 
yeah, that was kind of interesting. I had some friends and family reach out and make sure I was okay, which is good that they're following it that closely and they care about me enough to actually uh, inquire about my, about my well-being. That was a bit of an ego boost for me. So thanks for helping out with that. That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. So yeah, Ethan, you, uh, I, I got to tell you, I was impressed with kind of how you took the bull by the horns and you honestly just emailed me out of the blue. And you basically said, hey, uh, you know, avid fan of the pod, which I mean, you have good taste, obviously. So, but uh, you basically just said, hey, here's, here's what I've done in the past. I have experience in social media. I'd love to help you out, you know? And I think that is something that is so, I think it's getting more and more rare these days. People actually take the time and take the initiative to cold email somebody about, you know, even if there's not a job opening posted, just cold emailing, uh, you know, wherever it is, whatever business it is, inquiring about a position. That's the stuff that makes, makes you stand out, uh, you know, aside from every other person. That's something that people are going to remember. Let's say there's not an opening at the time, but then the job opening happens, you know, a few weeks, a few months, a year down the road. Reaching out at that time is going to help you stand out. So I was super impressed with that. And, you know, as long as you were, you were happy to do some stuff and not get paid, make it a sort of a volunteer, volunteer work right now, I was like, oh, by all means, man, take it, take it over. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a little nerve wracking and I probably did come a little out of the blue for you. But yeah, I've, uh, I was listening for a while just because like, you know, kind of lower league soccer, some de- something I'm definitely into. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, I was seeing your, I was poking around your Instagram and Twitter, figured you could use a little, little help. So I thought I could, uh, oh, you know, help okay. a little bit at least. Okay. I like the, like the backhanded, backhanded compliment there. Oh, you could do, I thought you could use a little help with the social media, you know, yeah. seemed like you could use a little assistance. I see how it is. <laughs> no yeah, I, <laughs> yeah I'll, just, I'll refrain from commenting I'll refrain. <laughs> it's all right no it wasn't great it wasn't great i will tell you i'll give you that much um but you've done an excellent job kind of handling that and, and putting some engaging stuff on there and making sure the the episodes kind of stay promoted and stay out there so um you've been awesome so if you don't follow us on the socials i forgot to plug this at the beginning so it's a good segue here facebook twitter instagram we're at 10k pitches all the amazingness that you see on all those platforms is courtesy of, of Mr. Ethan Brandt starting, I think a couple weeks ago was, was when kind of took over and it's been, it's been good. So I appreciate all the help and I appreciate you. Uh, like I said, coming on the podcast to kind of introduce yourself and we can get into some soccer talk here. Yeah. So you currently play at UNW St. Paul, right? Yep. How did you get into, I mean, cause playing college soccer at the division three levels, no joke. I mean, it's, there's like the stigma on division three athletics, I feel like, and I went to a D three school, so I completely understand that. And it's like, no, there, there's some quality athletes at the D three level who can really play these games at a high level. So, you know, have you played soccer your whole life and how did you get to a point where now you're playing college? I, uh, I started, you know, playing like that, I guess, you know, peewee soccer when everyone plays soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, uh, I stopped playing, uh, for a while, I suppose. And then my senior year in high school, I was, uh, you know, I was looking for something to do. Um, I, uh, you know, it's your senior year, you got a lot of, got a lot of free time. So uh, mm. my high school uh, here in Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee, Martin Luther High School is where I went, by the way, if anyone's listening. Okay. From Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and knows Martin Luther. Um, yeah, so we were really bad at soccer. And so it's not like I had to try out or anything. I just kind of put my name on a list and I was there. Yeah. Um, so me and some of my friends went ahead and uh, we, uh, we played our senior years. And, um, and uh, we, we didn't turn around the program. We were still really bad. Uh, upon, 
our senior year. Um, I think we won like two games total. I uh, I had a sprained ankle for both games. Oh man! They, so I didn't even. I don't think I won. I don't think I was. You didn't contribute to either of the two wins. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, but um, but uh, you know, I did. I was able to play a lot. I was able to get a lot of experience on the field. Um, we had a pretty small roster. Uh, so like, I'm not. It's not like I was just like this insane player. It's just mm-hmm. you know, right, right time, right place, right school. Um, and yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Um. So then obviously, you know, playing one year, you're not really planning on playing in college because, uh, you, you know, that, that's a tough jump. It's a tough jump. Yeah, I mean, you, you're one year of actual organized, you know, high-level soccer under your belt, you know. But, I mean, that's a testament to you that they, you know, that you were good enough to, to get a shot at the college level after just that one year, especially considering you were injured for both wins. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's not much, not much on the tape there, but evidently good enough uh, to get you on the, get you on the squad. Well, uh, high school, high level, that's a stretch for Martin Luther soccer. But yeah, so then I, uh, I was going into college and um, uh, not planning on playing. So I went to the University of Minnesota Duluth uh, for my freshman year. Um, great school, you know, great mm-hmm. place. Um, and I, uh, so I tried out for the club team there. They don't have a varsity team, uh, right. at least for guys. If you have a girls varsity team. I was able to make the club team after tryouts. I think we had like 50 kids there. Uh, roster was like 25. So yeah, I played, uh, I guess, college club soccer. And that a lot of that entails like playing JV division three teams um, mm-hmm. and then other club teams. Uh, and some of those club teams are really good. I'm like, yep. I'm sure we can get into this at a different time, but, uh, but anyway, I guess. So then transitioning from college club to division three, um, the main reason I wanted to make the jump is because, like, we didn't have a coach. It's, like, it's very unorganized. We kind of called it intramural plus towards the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, you're going out to practice at 11 p.m. and six guys are showing up. So, mm-hmm. um, so that, was, yeah, that was frustrating for me. You know, I kind of wanted yeah. to do something bigger. So yeah. um, I started reaching out to coaches uh, my uh, second semester there at Duluth and uh, – I ended up going to a school in Michigan, small school called Olivet College. Okay. Um, and uh, the main reason for that uh, was because they gave me the opportunity to play soccer. Obviously, pretty limited background, so it was really cool that that coach was willing to give me an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so unfortunately, uh, Olivet didn't really work out. Um, yeah. A lot of that had to do with changing my major. I was going to major in criminal justice. I wanted to be in the CIA, like yep. James Bond. James Bond was cool, so I was like, mm-hmm. I, I could do that. Clearly, I don't have a great understanding of how a lot of that works, <laughs> but in my in my head, that's how it worked, right? Like yep. CIA, James Bond, same thing. Yep. Do, um, I mean, I remember, I, like, I would watch like investigative shows in like middle school and high school, and I'd be like googling, like, how do I get in the FBI? How do I get in the CIA? Because this looks kind of cool, you know. So I I get that. Exactly. Like in my head, I was going to be like Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise, James Bond, all because I got, I majored in criminal justice. Um, <laughs> but no, I, uh, I, so I took one class in criminal justice at Duluth and I really enjoyed it. And then I got to Olivet and first day I sat down in my second ever criminal justice class. And our professor came in and started talking about how she was like a jail warden for four years or something. 
And right then and there, I was just like, I uh-uh. can't do this. So <laughs> th- that afternoon, I changed all my classes. Um, wow. And because uh, I was like, there's no way I can be a jail warden. So um, <laughs> I decided to go into communications. And um, Olivet, unfortunately, didn't have that. They had like, they had something similar, but not communications. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how I ended up in Northwestern. So I was there for my first semester last spring. Um, got cut short, so I guess it was more two months than a full semester. Mm-hmm. But um, so I guess my first year of college soccer was with Olivet. Played the full fall year with them, and then unfortunately no spring season at Northwestern. Um, and now it's kind of looking like uh, no fall season either. But as of right now, we're still playing, so just abbreviated. That should be your job title here with ten thousand pitches, the warden of the ten thousand pitches podcast. <laughs> I, I think know, we're I just, know. I think we're just going to refer you as the warden now. Sorry. Your name is no longer Ethan. You're now, from here on out referred to as the warden. So maybe we'll make that a nickname. Um, so yeah, you kind of alluded here that, that there's potentially no fall season, you know, maybe you guys are still planning on playing or at least as of right now, no decisions been made to postpone it, but you have condensed or the UMAC has condensed it down to a conference only schedule, no non-conference games. Um, with the Mayak postponing their fall season, CCIW postponing their fall season, a couple of other local conferences postponing or canceling their season. I mean, is your confidence level, where's your confidence level in that you're actually going to get to play some actual games in the fall? Yeah, uh, my confidence level, uh, just, you know, at the floor, under the floor, yeah. just in the basement. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I was looking around today and I think, like at least for football, uh, we're like one of two Division three conferences that hasn't like canceled yet. So mm-hmm. I can only imagine we'll be uh, close behind, uh, you know, all the other conferences and yeah. we'll probably get, I guess, moved to spring. Um, and like, obviously, uh, like it is super disappointing. Like I am very, you know, bummed out about this. But, um, you know, at the same time, I do understand there's bigger things in soccer, right? You know, health mm-hmm. and safety for you know us playing and everyone we interact with um mm-hmm. so like it's it's not the end of the world it's just no soccer um but it is disappointing and uh, yeah I'm, i can i can imagine i can imagine maybe you guys can play a season where you just wear one of those uh face shield protectors everybody on the field has to wear a face shield protector at all times i'm thinking what we should do is those like big blow up bubbles that you Ooh. like you know like they're oh, like oh the yes big exercise bubble soccer let's yes. go that would I be think- awesome or maybe everybody has to stay within like a circle on the pitch. So everybody gets their own little circle that they have to stay in. So like foosball. keep distance. Yeah. It'd be like foosball. It'd be like foosball on, on actual turf or actual grass. Right. Human foosball. I, and you know, social distancing and masks, obviously. Mask, um, mask required, obviously for any of these scenarios. Right. Definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> but in all seriousness, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I'm kind of with you that any local conference that hasn't made a decision, the, the decision they're going to make will probably have to be to either postpone or cancel the fall, the fall season at least. But when it, when it comes to postponing everything to the spring, that's a lot of sports to be playing in the spring. If the spring, if the plan is to postpone fall sports in the spring and also have the spring sports be played as scheduled, like that's, I mean, there, especially with D3 schools, there's very limited fields, very limited athletic space, practice time. Like, do you have any idea how that would look for you guys if you guys tried, had to, you know, move it to the spring and potentially share, share space with a lot of these other, other sports? 
Yeah, uh, that's another great question. Um, and obviously, I don't have the most the best insight into that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I guess I can speak for you know UNW specifically. Um, we have uh, you know one one field that's for lacrosse, football, soccer. We have uh, and then like some other turf that I think you can get play some soccer on and lacrosse and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it seems very tough to try to balance a a practice schedule for. Yeah. Uh, football, men's and women's soccer, men's and women's lacrosse, track and field, um, you name it, right? I'm sure I'm missing some sports, um, but uh, yeah. yeah, it seems pretty impossible, right? But um, yeah, you know, there's brighter minds than mine working on this, so uh, hopefully they can, uh, you know, they figure it out, and hopefully we can play. Um, I I have seen though, I guess I don't know, but I'm guessing we would still kind of practice in the fall. Like yeah. I'm guessing fall sports are still practice, like maybe full team, but I'm, yeah, I'm guessing small group where like we just have a slot on the field and, you know, members from the team can go out there. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be my guess. Honestly, I don't really know, but um, yeah, I, I think I've seen that from at least other schools. You may have to throw it back to the UMD days and have those 11 PM practices. That, that's what it's looking like. Uh-huh. Um, we're going to, yeah, those, those were terrible. Yeah. But um, I remember uh, you you mentioned it was like intramural plus. I remember playing like intramural softball in college and we would have like 10, 15 p.m. games on like a Sunday night. And I'm like, this is the last thing I want to be doing right, right? now. You've, you've bounced around a few schools. You've, you've now, you're now landed at UNW where you're continuing to play soccer. Um, you know, do you have any soccer aspirations outside of college? You know, would you want to go play – you know, in like a semi-professional, professional type league. Um, and also on the other side, you know, what are your post-college aspirations, you know, off the field too? So, yeah, I guess off the field aspirations, obviously, is just uh, take 10K pitches, you know, all the way to oh, the top, Oh, man, right? to the moon, baby. Exactly. To the moon. Um, Let's go. No, uh, no, I guess, yeah, off the field. So I am majoring in communications um, as of now. Um, you know, maybe adding a minor, right? I uh, like I like clearly through my you know story, I'm pretty wishy-washy on what I plan on <laughs> majoring in. But um, it's all right. At least you're at least you're self-aware about it. At least exactly, you're aware you know? aware of it, and that's you know that's the important thing. Um, but yeah, so uh, I guess off the field, um, yeah, communications. Like, what do you do with communications? Your guess is as good as mine, I guess. Um, honestly, I'm, though, that the the net that you can cast with the communications degree is pretty wide. Right. Uh, so, um. I'll figure it out, right? I'll figure out when I get there. Cross that bridge when I get mm-hmm. there. Um, but then, yeah, as far as on the field, um, you know, I guess I'm pretty fortunate to be, uh, you know, to be playing soccer. And uh, especially with, like, the amount of opportunity there is uh, to continue playing outside of, you know, high school and college, um, you know, both semi-pro and pro, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I guess, you know, uh, my big dream, much like I'm sure most college soccer players, D1, D2, or D3, is to like, I guess, yeah, you know, make it pro, right? Um, and I, I don't think I'm ever going to be like an MLS quality player or, you know, anything like that. But, you know, maybe lower leagues, right? Like I think, uh, you know, some of the lower uh, pro leagues, um, that would be awesome. That's like obviously the goal. And mm-hmm. like, you know, it kind of gets me out of bed in the morning and out yeah. to the, out to the, the field, Yep. on like a 95 degree day in the middle yep. of summer right yeah um but um i don't think i'm there yet and fortunately i have three years of eligibility left to try to get there um 
but uh, until then, you know, obviously it'd be really cool to hopefully play for an MPSL team or uh, some of the higher level uh, semi-pro teams. Yeah, I mean, that would be, that'd be cool to, to have you do that and still have you be involved with the, the show. I have a little insider insider in the lower local lower league soccer. You'd have to stay in Minnesota or Wisconsin, though. We couldn't have you going out to the East Coast or the West Coast, man. You have, yeah, to, it, you have to stay in here and you have to be that insider for us with these local teams. So yeah, I'm we, saying. Couldn't, we couldn't be like 10K pitches plus Wyoming or something. That just didn't work. <laughs> you never know, man. Maybe there's a market for, for soccer, soccer content in Wyoming. Maybe that's a potential audience that we haven't tapped yet. So maybe I will be going to Wyoming. To <laughs> Setting we'll you keep, to Wyoming. That's what we're going to we'll, do. We'll keep the options open. Anything <laughs> for good content, you know? Uh, you had mentioned, uh, you know, one of the one of the things that really impressed me about you, one of the things I, reasons I want to bring you on, is you have a lot of great ideas um, in terms of where this podcast could go. You know, how can it, it, it could could expand to you know other you know multimedia type stuff. Um, so, as far as your goals or what you see for the future of of ten thousand pitches, you know, do you have like a you know obviously talking to you, you have a lot of ideas, but like. Short-term, long-term goals, you know, what, what do you see for this podcast? Yeah, I, uh, um, yeah, no, another good question, another good question. Um, Thanks. I, um, I guess, you know, right, like short-term, I think with any and all podcasts, right, is, uh, you know, monetize it, right? Like start yeah. to get that level of audience. Um, and I, obviously, like, if it never happens, right? Like at least we got to talk about Minnesota soccer, right? Like, yeah. That's uh, it. Doesn't get much better than that. But um, doesn't hurt to make a little bit of money while doing it, though. Exactly. I mean, exactly. if you're if you own a local business and you want to, you know, support a local Minnesota soccer podcast, by all means, hit us up ten k pitches at gmail dot com. Be happy to discuss it. I I'm sure between the two of us, we could do some stellar ad reads. You know? Oh man. I, 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 that's really, honestly, money is secondary for reasons. I want to have sponsors on this podcast. Cause I just, for the ad reads, I think I want to do ad reads just cause I have so much fun like doing those. I think How, that would, could be so much fun. Top three top. Like if you could pick any three brands to sponsor us, name them top three. Uh, number one would be, I think, uh, oh, you know, what would be great. They, they do sponsor a lot of podcasts, Manscaped. I think we could do some killer Manscaped commercials. Dude, um, like, honestly, exactly. Like Manscaped products, like, they, like they seem great. Right. But like, honestly, like, like you never know, me, right. I've never used one personally, so I can't attest to the quality, but. But, but as far as ad reads for Manscaped, top-notch stuff. I've yeah. top-notch ad reads right there. Um, I, I listen to a few podcasts that, that do, uh, you ever heard of Blue Chew? Is that like the cannabis, like, gum? No, 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 no. So Blue Chew is like okay. the, the okay. chew of Viagra <laughs> that they, like, discreetly send to your house. Oh, the, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like we could, I feel like that could be, a, you know, doing those types of reads would be a lot of fun. Um, I, I don't know if our demographic is. No, uh, probably, you know, there's probably not too much of a, of a market there, but I'm just saying at least for like the entertainment quality of the ad reads, that's really all I'm looking for here. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know if you own a local business or, or Hey, if you've, 
uh, you know, if you have an in with Manscaped or Blue Chew, you know, <laughs> hit us up. Hit us up. We'll be happy to happy to oblige. Not exclusively uh, those two. We'll take we'll take any ads, but you know those exactly. You know what? We're easy. Any any money you want to throw at us, we're, feel free. We're in. Yeah, we're in. All in. We'll give you a segment on the pod. <laughs> this will just be an infomercial pod for for Manscaped. Yeah, that's what this podcast is going to become. Talking about Manscaped. Um, yep. All right. Uh, moving uh, let's, on. <laughs> let's reel it in. Let's reel it in. All right. So, so Ethan, one of the first things that you told me about when uh, we first talked was that you are, you know, obviously you've you've played soccer for quite a while now. You're obviously pretty good at soccer. Um, but as far as a soccer viewer, you're kind of surface level. You're kind of ca- a casual soccer fan, if you will, at this at this point. You're getting better. I gave you some yeah. homework to watch a little more soccer lately, and you've been doing that, so I appreciate that. But we're gonna we're gonna test kind of your growth here, uh, your early growth here on the on the soccer knowledge fronts. Now I'm not gonna give you any sort of grade or anything. You don't have to get any you know free right to pass or anything like that. Uh, it's, I think this could be fun <laughs> from like a, a casual fan's point of view. First one's gonna be pretty easy, and then they get harder from there. Just so you know, All right. fire away. Uh, so here's the first one. Who won the English Premier League this year by a significant margin? Uh, it was uh, it was Liverpool. Yes, it is. Congratulations! Ding, 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 ding. One for one. One for Thank one. You. Batting Thank a thousand. You. Question number two. Bringing it back to the states. Bringing it back to MLS here. LAFC is without the reigning league MVP during the MLS's back tournaments. What's his name? I should know this, right? Like I, uh, I'm part of a soccer podcast, but. Um... Honestly, no, that's that's okay. I mean, you know, you you knew Liverpool. You mentioned to me that you're pretty you're pretty casual, less than casual on the MLS front too. So that's all right. But he is the reigning league MVP. Exactly. That's that's why I feel like I should know this. Like, um, but no, I honestly I don't even have a guess. I don't even have a respectable guess. That's all right. Carlos Vela is his name. To be fair, that sounds really familiar. Okay, okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. You don't get like a half point or anything, but you know. Maybe like, a generous grade at the end. You know? Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll curve you. That's uh, <laughs> what I bank on. That's what I've been banking on for two years, you know? There you I go. Stopped, there you, know. you go. That's how I got through college. Uh, <laughs> all right, question number three. Uh, which league did Minnesota United most recently play in prior to joining MLS in 2017? Was it the NPSL, the UPSL, the Midwest Premier League, or the North American Soccer League? All right. I um. I'm like 90% confident it's one of the last two. I, uh, could you, can you please repeat those last two for me? Yeah, so you're, you're doing the old, uh, what, the, what do they call it on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? The 50-50, where you're, you're taking to the two answers out, so it leaves two, using that lifeline here. Exactly. Um, you're probably too young to know what that, that reference is, but that's fine. Oh, but it sounds kind of vaguely familiar. Continue, just keep going. Right, hey, Regis was the host of, of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. He's the first host, RIP Regis. So the last two answers here, I said, were Midwest Premier League or North American Soccer League. So Midwest Premier League. So that'd be the MPL or – I'm going that one. I'm going that one. So you're going Midwest Premier League? Yep. Ah, you should have said NASL. It was the North American Soccer League. That's okay. That's okay. That's a pretty difficult question unless you, you know, know of Minnesota United's history or were a fan pre-2017. Uh, you know, that, that's a tough one. So, and that, that um, league no longer exists, right? Yes, they do not. No, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. So, see, you, you get at least you got the follow up right. All right, final question here. 
Now, this is the most difficult one, but I'm also giving you a chance to give yourself like a realistic expectation for the answer. So here's what I mean. So this is a two-part final, final question here. Okay. How many of the loons starting 11 from Tuesday night do you think you can name? And then name them. So give okay. yourself a number in terms of how many you think you can name and then name them for me. Okay, yeah. So to be fair, I did watch. I mean, you were tweeting. You were tweeting from did, the 10K account, I, so I assume you were watching. Tweet, unless, unless you read the tweets and thought they weren't funny, then it's Jeremy. But yeah, I was tweeting. Um, <laughs> great game, by the way. Really exciting. Or maybe not great, but it was really exciting. Fun to be part of. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, also, you know, why we're here, just a big shout out to Loon's Twitter. I think they're, I think they're amazing. Minnesota United Twitter is, is entertaining, to say the least. Um, ton of fun. I'm, I'm honestly surprised that it didn't just implode on itself after Robin Lewis scored in the first half. I, I thought for sure that that would be the end of it. Like they would just fall into a, an abysmal black hole and just completely cease to exist. But, but shout out to, to Minnesota United Twitter. They, they survived that. So good job. A lot of All fun. right. You, you had some time to think about it. You've stalled. You've stalled here, Ethan. Okay. I respect so, that. But um, now it's time to give your answer. I'm going to say – Four to five, four to five. Okay, four to five. Okay, I'll take that. All right, name them. Okay, Robin. Robin Luke, okay. Uh, Ethan Finley. Two. Two. Good start. Okay, the goalie, Miller. Miller, okay. Do you know his first name? Um, All right, I'm going to give you Miller, though. I'm going to give you Miller so we can move on. So you have three. Okay. So you're, um, you're 60% of the way there to your, like, max number. I was going to say Edwards. But he came off the bench. He came him. off the bench. Yes. I want to say, did I say Oswaldo? Alonzo? Oh, Ozzy Alonzo. Okay, there you go. Sorry. So you have four. So you've met like the, the lower end of your prediction. But can you get one more and get to the high end? That's the real question here. I want to say aha, but I feel like he came off the bench. He did not. He started. He started. Okay. Hey, there we there go. There you go. Five. Do you want to push it? Do you want to push it any further? Do you think of any more? There was the one guy who got his MLS debut, Jersey tucked in. Name is escaping. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He came off the bench, though. Yeah, he did. I meant to say. Yeah, Ja'Cory yeah. Hayes. Ja'Cory Hayes. Cool moment for him. Cool moment to be a part yeah, of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then, uh, so the right back, who I'm a big fan of. I think he's super talented. I also play right back, so I, I there know. There Metnar. Metnar. Yeah, Roman Metnar. Metnar. Yes. Huge fan of him. I think him and Finley on that right side I think, are. Yeah, they're they're quality. That's that's a good that's a good right side combo. You're absolutely correct. So you're at, you're up to. I mean, you got six, uh, but you do like Roman Montaner, even though you couldn't think of his name. But that's fine. And you provided us some actually some analysis too. So I'll give you some bonus points for that. You you um, get a big curve on the grade here. Appreciate it. That's what we need. That's what we need. Um, exactly. Exactly. Ethan Brandt, newest member of 10,000 Pitches. If you're, a, if you're an avid listener, you'll be hearing a lot more from this guy as we move forward, especially as, as college soccer kind of continues to, you know, there's more news every day, it feels like, in terms of COVID implications, postponements or cancellations, how things are going to play out in the short and long term. So, uh, Ethan, you're going to kind of be our guy to kind of bounce ideas off of on that front and kind of talk to you about it. So, get ready. I, ready as I'll ever be. You know? All right, man. Ethan Brandt, thank you so much again. We appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate all your hard work, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for letting me be part of 10K. It's been a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, let's just uh, chase the Manscaped ad. There you go. Manscaped, if you're listening. <laughs>
Let us do some ad reads for you. It's time to welcome in a regular contributor to the 10,000 Pitches podcast. Always appreciate his time, his insight. St. Thomas student and sports writer, MLSsoccer.com writer, E Pluribus Lunum contributor. Uh, did I miss anything there, Jacob? No, you're good. <laughs> okay. It's Jacob Schneider. Jacob, thank you as always for the time, man. I appreciate it. I know this is a little, little bit early for you considering your schedule right now, so I appreciate you waking up for me. Uh, not necessarily early, just – I got, I'm one of those people who just doesn't wake up in the morning, and I'm not a morning person. That's fair. That's fair. You got your coffee in your hand, though, so hopefully uh, yeah, hopefully I do. Helping. Second cup. Busy guy right now. Everything going on with Minnesota United and what you guys are doing, you and Eli are doing at E Pluribus Lunum with the pre- and post-game shows, and then I mean, you have your own job. You're working outside of that. So, you know, a little bit hectic right now for you, I'm sure. But, uh, again, appreciate the time as always. Well, of course. I'm always down to talk soccer. So we're going to do another one of those pre, uh, pre and post game shows with E. Pluribus Lunum on Saturday for the uh, quarterfinal of the MLS's back tournament. It's, it'll be you and Eli on the pregame show. And then myself and fellow zone coverage uh, Minnesota United contributor David Naylor will join the postgame show with you guys. So I'm really excited about that. So um, if you want to check out that amazing, amazing content, uh, go ahead and uh, turn the notifications on for when E. Pluribus goes live so you can check out all that stuff. Do we know what we're wearing? on saturday yet jacob we're gonna go we're gonna go we're gonna go fancy um we're feeling uh kind of suit suit coat and tie suit coat oh tie too all right i gotta i gotta yep. remember i haven't had to tie a tie in forever <laughs> so i might need to check out a couple youtube videos i remember in high school we have choir concerts and some of the guys didn't know how to tie ties those of us that did we'd be tying our buddies ties and the girls are just looking at us laughing it's like oh that's so cute <laughs> and i'm like you know what I embrace this. I know how to tie a tie. Yeah. He does not. Yeah. But yeah, you uh, got to oh, help yeah. your buddies out. You got to help your buddies out. Oh, of course. Out. I feel Always like that's like such like a, like a stereotypical, like you ever look at wedding pictures and like the picture of like the groom party before a, a wedding. There's always a <laughs> yeah. stereotypical, like of the best man helping tie the groom's tie. That's going to be <laughs> yep. you. That's going to be you, Jacob. There we um, go. I like, I like your thinking. <laughs> so we got a lot to get to. Um, you know, St. Thomas's promotion to division one, you're a St. Thomas student and you have a history in, in, in covering St. Thomas, Thomas athletics. So I kind of want to get your insight and take on that. Um, the MIAC announced, uh, they're kind of following other local conferences, postponing the fall sports season. We'll get into that. And of course, everything going on with Minnesota United and their quarterfinal matchup with San Jose on Saturday. So you are a St. Thomas student. You have a lot of history writing about St. Thomas athletics, kind of being an insider for St. Thomas athletics, having your foot in the door with the athletic program there in terms of just, just covering the teams. So I really want to bring you in and get your take on, on what's happening with the St. Thomas promotion to division one. So for those who may not know, this has been in the works for quite a while for St. Thomas and many of their athletic programs to make the jump straight from division three to division one. It's never happened before. It's the first of its kind. Um, and it, it, they just got their confirmation. You know, they passed all the NCAA hearings and rules and regulations just this last week. So it's going to be football, basketball, men's and women's soccer, among others, that are going to be making the jump straight to Division One in various conferences. Jacob being at St. Thomas for a few years and, you know, deeply ingrained with the athletics programs there in St. Thomas for the last few years. When did those rumblings begin in terms of this potentially happening? How long has this actually been in, uh, you know, a possibility? Um, that's tough. I, I genuinely want to say we're looking at the spring of 2019 where things maybe, or gosh, yeah, 
almost almost the um kind of the december to march range in uh, 2018 into 2019 um because st thomas was ousted from the mayak in may of 2019 um and that was that that was kind of out of the blue then but the reports were surfacing i want to say in, i want to say i want to go in february i don't don't quote me on that i don't have the exact dates in my head right now but you know it's always it's always been evident that St. Thomas is a step above the other Mayak schools in terms of athletic achievement. That doesn't uh, that that that's no uh, that doesn't say anything to the other Mayak schools in terms of how they how they produce athletic talent or mm-hmm. how they perform on the field. They're still fantastic schools. Some of them are great programs, and there's nothing against them there. But St. Thomas is genuinely known as a a wealthier school in the Twin Cities, a uh, more populous school than the rest of the Mayak. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. They have the enrollment. They have the they have the donors. They have the funding to to get these these athletes in here that um, maybe don't they don't want to go play in St. Cloud. They don't want to go play in Northfield. They don't want to. You're, you're talking top tier D three caliber athletes, yes. but also the top transfer options from people looking to maybe get out of D one or who are in yes. D one and looking to kind of maybe go to a place where they can play more or whatever the situation is. Hundred percent. It's. I mean, it's a touchy subject to to to, to talk about these other schools too because they're still great programs, and I don't mm-hmm. want to. I don't want to say anything bad about them or anything like that. That's not what I'm getting at. St. Thomas, like, like I had somebody tell me that St. Thomas is the D3 version of Duke. And I think that's a good comparison. Um, St. Thomas is a great school, athletic achievement in every sport, um, and utterly dominant on the, on the field, on the court, on the rink, on the, in the pool, everywhere, every sport. They're just dominant. They're a contender on the D3 national level every year for every sport. And I think that's partly due to the fantastic coaches they have, but also just some of these athletes they got, like you said, they're D1, D1 transfers that are going to D3. They bring in athletes from around the USA that, are, that aren't wanting to go anything bigger than D2 or D3. But it's also a highly coveted Catholic institution. If you're a, an athlete that wants to also um, go to school and practice uh, your religion uh, on a constant basis, um, St. Thomas is a great option for you. They highly value it. Um, and that's something uh, I didn't know until they, until I got to St. Thomas is how mm-hmm. how how much they value that concept of uh, Catholicism there. You know, you're required to take two uh, two religion classes to graduate. You're required to take two philosophy classes to graduate. No, three philosophy classes to graduate. Or no, two philosophy, three religion classes. Excuse <laughs> me. Um, to right. graduate, and that's a lot of your transcripts. That's that's a lot of classes, and um, they really value that. For so for these athletes. A lot of them have that kind of intertwining relationship with um, religion and sports, and that's another thing you get. Um, but St. Thomas's move to Division One, um, I think, is warranted. But I also think it's it's an interesting step of direction for them. Um, if you're not ousted from the Mayak, you don't go D1. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a I'm going to force your hand, uh, make a choice, and the choice they made was Division One. Um, great for them, great for the school. Uh, my personal opinion saying is saying that I would love to see some of the funding go elsewhere mm-hmm. into fine arts programs. The journalism department is could use some updates. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things that you could put this money in. Um, but again, sports will always be king in terms of college. Any college you go to, yep. sports 
sports are the thing, you know, that's what makes the school money. It's what draws the crowds. It's what gets you attention. It's what gets the news writers, the reporters, the media, everybody. Sports mm-hmm. are the biggest, like. It's like an, it's almost like an overall marketing tool for the school itself, right? Yes. So going D1 is, you know, they've got national notice right now. D3 school jumping to D1, never been done before. ESPN, the AP, uh, Bleacher Report, The Ringer, mm-hmm. everybody is talking about them. The biggest media companies in the USA. Um, have you ever heard of St. Thomas? No, I haven't. Well, they're the first school to ever jump from D3 to D1. How do they do that? Well, they got a waiver signed by the NCAA. Let's talk about this for 20 minutes on our show today. Yeah. It's been on SportsCenter. Like, St. Thomas is getting all of the national news right now. And I think it's fantastic for them. And I think it's a fantastic marketing tool. But I also just want to say, you know, St. Thomas is going to be a smaller Division One school. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be competing with the U of N or talent. Like, yeah. yes, they're both D1, but D, the U is going to get the better D1 athletes. Like, I don't, I don't mean better, but they're going to get the more coveted D1 athletes, you know? Mm-hmm. You're going to be bringing in um, – some of the top players in the country at U of M. You're going to be bringing in some great players from the country at St. Thomas. Uh, but I do think going D1 gives you a broader national scale, a broader audience to bring in these athletes. You're required to now give scholarships. You're going to be open to a, a larger array of players, mm-hmm. athletes for all sports. Um, and I think one of the things you really wanted to touch on here was, uh, was men's soccer and women's soccer. Um, we've now got a second Division One women's soccer program Minnesota starting in 2021. The U of M has excelled on the national stage at the D1 level for years now. They are a phenomenal team to go out and watch. Um, their games are fantastic. Um, equ- at, uh, at Equal Time Soccer on Twitter is a great follow for women's uh, excellent, soccer. Excellent follow. Yeah, if you're into uh, women's soccer just in general, I mean, they, they had a lot of good content from the NWSL Challenge Cup. They're yep. talking about you know, a lot of content from the, the new coaching changes that have happened recently with the University of Minnesota women's soccer team. And, of course, everything going on with, with uh, the St. Thomas women's soccer team bumping up mm-hmm. to D1. Uh, Equal Time Soccer on, on Twitter, EqualTimeSoccer.com. Just, just an excellent resource. Absolutely. Can't recommend it enough. Yeah. And, you know, we've got two D1 women's programs now, which is fantastic. Um, oh, and uh, now I look at men's soccer. We've never had a Division One men's program before. And this is <laughs> – it's so exciting. Like I, I, I can't that even. That to me, I guess I knew it, but I didn't know it. Right? Like seeing that St. Thomas was the first Division One men's soccer program in the state just blew my mind. Honestly, we've um, never had one. It's, it's like you look at this and you say you've seen so many top level athletes escape through the cracks of Minnesota's youth soccer setup. Yeah. Um, and it, I wrote a piece on this on E Pluribus Lunum a couple of weeks ago. You can check that out. Um, just just search for Mayak and and you'll see it. It's a it's relatively a week or two old. But um, McQuaylea Collett, Jackson, you are, are two of the biggest names to escape from Minnesota's mm-hmm. youth soccer grab. Uh, Jackson, you will now uh, <laughs> he's bossing the M- MLS uh, yeah. with San Jose. He's playing Minnesota United this Saturday night. It's a homecoming for him, sort of, I guess. Um, playing his home state. McQuaylea Kale um, is an interesting player. Uh, how do I put it? I've reached out to McQuaylea, um to see if I can just to talk, see if we can get an interview, talk about what's going on. Um, never got a response. McQuaylea uh, mm. is out of contract currently uh, in Europe. He, is, he left for Europe after high school, um, joined with Villarreal in Spain, 
and you ask any of his coaches, any of his teammates, who was Mikhail Akali? Uh, what kind of player was he? And every single one of them will say is he was unreal. He was like Freddie Adu hype. Like I genuinely mean that in the Minnesota soccer sense from a from a, from a youth standard. He a prodigy was, almost. Yes, a prodigy, and he still has that chance too. He's still only 22. Um, but out of contract with Villarreal, he, been, he was there for four years. He started with Villarreal C team, C team uh, moved up to the Villarreal B team, and he made one varsity appearance or one start appearance uh, with the full with the starting eleven um, on the bench, game day bench. Never appeared like in a match or anything, but he had that one varsity appearance. And uh, I guess I look at this and I say, if McQuaylee's European dream wants to continue go for it but if he is somebody who would consider a move back to the states minnesota united fc should be all over this move um he oh gosh like i i i genuinely say it i I got to watch him play as like a 10 year old um i got to watch him play and he's only a few years older than me a buddy of mine his his brother played with mcquale and uh, a buddy of mine his brother played against mcquale he's like you got to come watch this kid i'm like okay schwann's usa cup uh State Cup, uh, just a normal game, uh, a league league play, MTA, Minnesota Thunder Academy. Um, you watch this kid on the ball; it's just, it's unreal how good he was. And you look at how good Jackson Ewell is now. Ewell and him were teammates. He made Ewell look lesser in mm-hmm. in these matches, and now Ewell is bossing the the, the national stage in Major League Soccer. Um, he's one of the best midfielders in MLS. He's a U.S. Men's National Team player, like. McQuaylee had everything going for him uh, at a youth level, and he went to Europe. It didn't didn't work out in his first stint. I really, really want to see what happens next for him next, because if I'm able to be able to if I'm able to watch him like play on a TV, you know, say he moves to Syria or the Championship or something like this, where he's with a bottom a bottom half team, and I'm able to see him play, that would be remarkable. I haven't been able to watch McQuaylee live on the television ever like I've seen highlights I've seen clips but I just remember watching him as a as a kid just being wowed being absolutely wowed by how good he was so hopefully we find uh we find out soon what his next steps are as a pro he has a chance still has everything going for him too to be a fantastic soccer player and he's an amazing amazing athlete um I really hope we find out what happens soon um if I ever end up getting an interview or a meeting with him. Uh, I'll definitely follow up with you, Jeremy, yeah. about that. And we can maybe Absolutely. do a follow-up episode just because of how talented he is. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Jackson Ewell's dad, Mark Ewell, was their yeah. coach. And I've had a converse, couple, times, couple conversations with Mark about um, just Minnesota soccer, the youth setup, the D1 transition, everything. And, you know, he mentions it every time. McCoyle is a, just – he's an unreal player. Ask anybody who watched him. Jackson, an un, unreal player. Jackson's – amazing and yeah. McQuaylee just he was that little bit better at that youth stage and I guess it's a waiting game now but I kind of drew it off topic there um, okay. we're talking about St. Thomas the D1 transition um get a first D1 men's program ever it's going to be so influential for the growth of soccer in the state yeah um you're you you've got you've got kids Jeremy you know these kids if you want to say if they want to become soccer players you say okay down the street, we've got a Division One men's program. Absolutely. We've got a Division One women's program in St. Paul, a Division One women's program in Minneapolis. You have the ability to watch top-level soccer from a 
um, a kid like if you're a kid watching these people play you're like mm-hmm. oh gosh i want to be just like them you yeah. know what you got to do you got to get them in the youth soccer setup right away mm-hmm. and then from there they go oh can we go watch another game yeah of course i can take you there yep. and they keep going back to watch these matches and you know that's one of the best ways to integrate growth into a child's mind is to watch and you know if you have the ability to see top level soccer for a relatively cheap standard in terms of ticket prices. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to go to Allianz Field anymore. Oh, fantastic. I'm all for it. And, and I know St. Thomas head coach John Lowry is so excited. I've had numerous conversations with him uh, over the past three years, just about soccer in general. He's become a good friend almost. Um, and it's, I, I look at this and say, it's, it's just, I never thought it would happen. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely didn't because the U of M can't do a men's soccer program. Um, they've got a club program, but due to the equal number of men's and women's sports on campus, you can't add a men's soccer program. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's here. It's coming. It's it's going to be here. And it's it's so cool. Like, it's just genuinely cool. The word cool is the only way I would put it. Cause yeah, it is. It's awesome. Like, you look at this and say, we have the opportunity to compete against some of the, some of the Summit League's best teams. Yeah. Denver is going to be undoubtedly the toughest opponent. Um, Andre Shinyashiki, the four, uh, 2019 MLS Rookie of the Year, mm-hmm. Colorado Rapids um, striker standout, um, played in the Summit League for Denver. You know, mm-hmm. we have the chance to really get some really talented players in here and, uh, you know, go against some of the best in uh, the NCAA, and it's exciting. Um, I can't wait. I genuinely cannot wait for uh, the D1's men's soccer program to kick off um, their first match, um, they're ready to go. I There were some suspicions, some rumors uh, circling um, when D1 transition uh, came about that the men's soccer field, the, the, the soccer field, not just the men's, the soccer field, um, wasn't up to the D1 FIFA standards. Uh, Coach John Lowry confirmed to me that it was, that those rumors were false. Um, the stadium is ready to go. They don't need to make any changes. Uh, he said there should be some minor, minor changes here and there. Um, there could be something happening. Uh, nothing's confirmed, of course. Some minor changes might happen is how we put it and uh you know the field's ready to go the turf is ready the stands are ready the scoreboard is ready you know d1 soccer is here st thomas doesn't need to change anything um but in terms of all of their d1 sports uh, i know the basketball court was just uh just redone, redone. yeah it looks slick redone. it looks really it nice looks very slick um they put a nice time lapse video out on t- at tommy athletics on twitter to watch that video um, so it's kind of entertaining. It's really pleasing. Time lapse videos in general. I love time lapse videos when something's so changing. Pleasing. Oh my gosh. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, D1 Athletics are here at St. Thomas. They are. They're not going anywhere. They're coming 2021. The Summit League, uh, the CCHA for men's hockey, the WCHA for women's hockey, and the Pioneer League for football. Um, football is going to be the toughest transition, I think. Yep. St. Thomas has utterly dominated at the D3 level for football, making the uh, NCAA playoff nearly every season. Um, but they've always had competition against St. John's. The Tommy Johnny game is North uh, Central, baby. NCC, let's go. Hey, National champs. I went to North Central, uh, so I had to throw that in there. That's fine. Uh, no, but uh, the Tommy Johnny game, uh, iconic. It's mm-hmm. I'm going on 100 years. That ends unless they pick up some sort of preseason game or just for fun yep. type thing. But uh, that's no more. So that's huge. Um, Coach Glenn Caruso is ready to take this team into uh, into D1, into uh, a, a pioneer league that is 
frankly, a lot better mm-hmm. than any team St. Thomas has played at the D3 level. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, I think, um, I don't know a lot about a lot of the other sports. So maybe this is a little bit over the top, but I think that's the biggest jump in terms of sports is, is the football program because the Pioneer League is one of, if not the top conference in FCS football. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're a really good yeah. conference. And, you know, you're going to be competing against some of the best in the country. And um, it's going to be a massive wake up call for St. Thomas. St. Thomas is used to beating Gustavus 97 to 0. Yeah. They're used to beating teams 60 to 7. You know, they're used mm-hmm. to putting up $50 or 50 uh, point margins, not $50, 50 point margins between teams. So it's going to be a big wake up call. And I genuinely think. Uh, it might be a struggle for a first for the first few. You might see a few of those, not necessarily maybe the ninety to nothing, but you know the fifty-five to sevens, the forty-nine to tens. I yep. think you'll probably see some of those score lines flipped. Yep. Um, but overall, St. Thomas is going D one. It's here. It's happened. That's confirmed by the NCAA. Um, not many changes are going to be need need to be made athletically in terms of venues, in terms of seating. So is the football of, stadium, is that good? Because I know we had an off-air conversation recently about the status of the football stadium and some of the guidelines that needed to be uh, updated for that specifically. And then that brought up kind of a secondary conversation about the possibility of college football at Allianz Field. Um, so is um, there any update on, that, on any, of the, any of those situations? So I can't, I can't confirm anything regarding the football stadium. Again, it was another rumor that was swirling that, that was similar to soccer, that the field wasn't up to standards which it is, I, I can confirm the soccer field is ready to go again. But mm-hmm. there was a rumor that the seat, in terms of seating um, for the uh, college football stadium uh, at St. Thomas, um, O'Shaughnessy Field, wasn't uh, up to code for D1, I guess. And mm-hmm. I can neither confirm nor not confirm. I don't know yet. Yeah. I haven't heard anything. I look at it and I say 50-50, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Because we've got the concrete seating um, – on the uh, one side of the field and then we've got like five or six rows of raised seating above the field um, on the other side and I just you know if you're going to be going D1 uh, maybe you're going to get more fans turning out for your football games. Um, St. Thomas doesn't really have a lot of people show up for their football games if I'm being honest. Students go to the first two or three and then following that it's it's minimal. People don't enjoy watching 60 point blowouts week after week. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, the D1 transition gets them a lot more fans. And I don't know uh, what's going to happen there. Um, if there is one thing I would love to see done for the D1 transition is a, as, as a remodeled and updated press box. It's tight. It's, 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 it's stuffy. It's, mm-hmm. it's old. It's not very well made. Um, I'd love to see an updated press box. Mm-hmm. I, and uh, I guess we'll go on from there and see what happens. Uh, but Again, D1 tier, yeah. all, 21, all 21 sports are going D1. We've got uh, three different leagues um, for all these sports. We've got the Pioneer League – oh, Ford League, sorry. Pioneer League for football, WCHA women's hockey, CCHA men's hockey, and then uh, Summit League for the rest of the uh, athletics at St. Thomas. And it's an exciting time for soccer especially, um, mm-hmm. considering we've got our first men's uh, D1 program. And second women's do I mean, you talk about the women's yeah. game, you, you know, you mentioned that they, they're going to have a lot of competition in terms of in conference, but now the potential of a non-conference rivalry between St. Thomas and the U is very, very interesting. Tommy Gophers, let's go. The, to, the Tommy Gopher game. 
No, I've been on the women's soccer beat for two seasons now, and uh, Coach Sheila McGill is ready for this transition, as are these athletes, these players. They're a fantastic team. Last November, I, uh, I um, uh, flew out to uh, Wheaton, Illinois, after, um, to cover them in the D3 NCAA tournament for a weekend. Uh, um, I was there by myself in an MMJ role. I was uh, doing live, live uh, pregame, halftime, and postgame uh, updates on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I was um, um, doing photo slideshows, writing a match story. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really exciting time. They uh, had uh, two penalty shootouts in less wow. than 24 hours apart. Um, they uh, they uh, lost the second one. They won the first one. They uh, were knocked out, unfortunately, but it was an exhilarating uh, time. And it was 28 degrees Fahrenheit during these games at kickoff. Oh, oh my gosh. And you, can, you know, you can't really wear gloves when you're, when you're with a camera. Yeah. Like you're shooting. You cannot wear gloves. And my fingers after the game were frozen like solid. Just frozen <laughs> solid. I remember that feeling. And I got back to my hotel room after that. And I think I was up to almost two o'clock um, doing final touches on everything because it was like a 7 p.m. kickoff. Yeah. Uh, but women's program I, I'm very familiar with men's program very familiar with again uh, go with both head coaches are great all the athletes are great um, it's exciting for for soccer especially definitely definitely and that starts uh, so for some of the sports it's 2021 and for others it's 2022 is that correct or is it all is it all one um, don't quote me on this but I'm pretty sure it's all 2021 I should know this but now yeah. you've got me second guessing so I think it's the 2021 um, 2022 athletic season yes is what it is yes. yeah okay got it. this will be the final year in the MIAC got it um speaking of 2022 speaking of the final year in the MIAC uh kind of switching to some more short-term uh storylines here it's going to be an interesting final year in the MIAC for St. Thomas it's just an interesting MIAC athletic season altogether because they just recently announced they're following a lot of other conferences and postponing their fall sports season due to COVID-19 obviously yeah that creates a lot more questions I think than answers in terms of how this whole season is going to look from a winter and now talking about maybe multiple sports seasons being played in the spring Uh, it's it's it could be very crowded it's going to be interesting to see the dynamic of all this St. Thomas specifically they're they I think maybe could be one of the outliers in terms of a school that has enough facilities and space to maybe handle this sort of uh, transition and handles a lot of these other sports being played at the same time and practice areas and stuff like that. But a lot of these other schools may not have that, uh, that type of space or enough of those uh, facilities. So, I mean, do you have any idea on how you see that dynamic playing out with maybe fall and spring sports being played at the same time or do spring sports get pushed to summer? You know, how, you know, have any idea and maybe what their, what their plans might be or have any idea what they might choose to do. I genuinely have no idea what the MIAC is going to do. This is all based on my own personal opinions. I want to state first and foremost, um, the MIAC will make their decision. They will announce it. I've got nothing in terms of uh, hearing anything, any sort of changes. However, um, from a personal standpoint, this is entirely assuming that Mother Nature is going to abide by our wishes. Yeah. Um, we could see uh, we could see snow in March and April. So, like, yeah. you never know what's going to happen with Minnesota winters. Um, that's got to be the first and foremost conversation. Outdoor sports, football, soccer, baseball, softball, um, men's and women's golf. Uh, we've got um, club rugby. We've got. I'm trying to think, what else is outdoors? Um, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot. Tennis. Yes, there's a ton outdoors. Yeah. And you know, this is assuming Mother Nature's on our side, yeah. um, which you know, very, very well, maybe not. You yeah. could see frozen pitches, like the frozen turf. 
you can't play on the, the ground. They're going to have to, if you want spring football to happen, you're going to have to insert uh, heating under the turf on the men's yep. and women's soccer field, under the baseball fields, under the, the football fields. Like the, the turf won't be unfrozen. You have a risk of hurting these athletes. Like yep. it's an unnecessary risk. If you don't get sports, you don't get sports. That's how I see it. Um, mm-hmm. It's not the end of the world. You're going D1. Don't complain. You already don't want to be in the MIAC anymore. You know what? They all irritated you. Like, oh, um, well, you guys are too good, so we're going to kick you out. Okay. So now St. Thomas is like, okay, well, we're going to go D1. We win. We just that, – there's our trump card. So yep. now it's like, are you really going to complain about not having one final season in the MIAC? Like, if you can't play, you can't play. Safety first. And that does not just ge- – I genuinely mean that when I say safety first because COVID-19 pandemic is still a real thing. Frozen turf is an egregiously dangerous task to give these students to play on. Like, toes, ankles, everything. There's, there's, the risk is, is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're going D1 and you've got freshmen and sophomores that are going to be playing for you and you want them to be part of the D1 transition, if you hurt them in the spring, guess what? Yeah. They're not probably won't play in the fall for you for the first D1 season. Like, it's just an unnecessary risk that doesn't need to be taken. Um, however, indoor sports, you know, you're still going to get, um, I'm, I'm guessing you're still going to get a lot of the winter sports. Um, mm-hmm. St. Thomas doesn't have a wrestling program. I imagine all wrestling programs around the country are going to be canceled this yeah. winter. There's, it just doesn't make sense to have that sport specifically, same with boxing or some sort of Taekwondo, um, like mm-hmm. initial, like person to person contact sports. Yeah. Um, like football is a different thing. Cause you've got the pads on, you've got everything, you've got jerseys, you've got pants. Like these, these skin to skin sports, it doesn't make sense. Um, swimming should be fine. Chlor- the chlorine um, k- kills 90% of the germ, 99% of the germs in the pool. Mm-hmm. And if you walk into a college pool, you're not going to be able to breathe because of how chlorinated it is in there. Yeah, uh, exactly. It, yeah. But uh, if you get spring sports, you get spring sports. If you don't get spring sports, you don't get spring sports. You're not getting fall sports this fall. So if you want to have them in the spring, wear a mask, wash your hands, mm-hmm. do everything you can to help reduce the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you know, if that means uh, not going to the bars, don't go to the bars. You can, you, you can do it. I promise. Like, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> contrary <laughs> to popular belief and contrary to what we've been seeing in the area, it is possible not to go to a bar. And uh, my, my favorite thing right now is uh as Jeremy's mentioned numerous times on this show, I go to St. Thomas. I'm going to be a senior this fall. Um, I enjoy going to the bars with my friends. Mm-hmm. I enjoy going dancing. I enjoy going out. And a lot of those places that we go to are currently open. And I saw a report yesterday. Guess there was a list of nine places that have had a positive COVID-19 cases and have stayed open in terms that of bars. List, yeah, clubs. that list was pretty long. That list was pretty long. And guess what? Every single bar that St. Thomas students go to was on oh, that list. So I'm sitting here like I'm going to school this fall. Um, we're a hybrid. It's hybrid. It's online and in person. And I'm sitting here like no matter what I'm doing, I'm going to be coming into contact with somebody who will fall to the, uh, the persuasion of wanting to go to a bar and like, mm-hmm. go, go party. And I'm sitting here like it's just frustrating because there's nothing more than what college students want is to go out with their friends. Yep. But 
to resist that temptation is something you have to do this fall. Yep. And um, it's, it's, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we've got, so Jeremy and I are recording. Um, it's Thursday. And uh, supposedly Governor Tim Walls is supposed to make an announcement um, in the, at, at 2 p.m. regarding schooling this fall for K-12. Yep. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there because we've already got numerous colleges around the country shutting down for multiple weeks and going online until mid-October or November, seeing what happens. St. Thomas and a lot of the other Minnesota-based schools have chosen to do a hybrid option of online and in-person classes. Yep. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. So it's an interesting time for the COVID-19 pandemic and schooling on all levels, all ages. And it's an interesting time for uh, deep, for all sports in Minnesota around the country with the COVID-19 pandemic. We're treated to live sports in bubbles right now. The MLB is suffering. Um, the USL is doing awful job, an absolutely awful job yeah. at com- combating COVID-19. Um, shout out to Forward Madison FC for putting out COVID-19 procedures and guidelines ahead of their uh, opening uh, home match. They're going to have six feet between every seat available, limited capacity, hand sanitizing stations at every corner you could think of, masks required. If they see you without a mask, they're going to ask you to leave. Um, You know, they've got it all laid out there. But there's teams that are like uh, the San Diego Loyal, for example. They've got fans everywhere. No one, like half of them wear masks, half not. hugging each other, cheering, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's just, you, we're never going to be able to look at anything the same again. And that's not even the biggest issue when you're talking about USL. It's the, it's the player travel. That really is the biggest yeah. issue, especially in League One. At least the championship has enough teams where they can make it somewhat regional. But League yep. One, I mean, Ford Madison had to fly down to Dallas this, this, week, this past weekend. Um, you know, they're going to be playing games in Greenville. Like, it's, it's, it's the travel that is really, I think, equating to a lot of these positive tests. But you're right. Uh, Ford Madison is doing a great job in terms of, you know, for the home games, making sure the fans are going to stay COVID conscious, wear a mask, keep your distance, hand sanitizer, you know, all that good stuff, which a lot, of other, a lot of these other teams haven't been doing. But even if every team takes those precautions from here on out, which I, I hope they will, it's really the player travel that's going to be the main issue traveling from city to city and, you know, going to airports and putting yourselves in those, in those positions. I don't see, uh, we're kind of veering off track a little bit again, but that's fine. I don't see how this is a sustainable <laughs> league model for, for yeah. them. It's not, um, Jeff Reader of the athletic has gone off multiple times on Twitter, um, about these procedures and how, uh, how they just genuinely don't make sense. And for those of you that follow Minnesota soccer, you know who Jeff is. He's a fantastic writer for The Athletic. He's covered Minnesota United and Minnesota soccer vastly through his career, um, through uh, Northern Pitch, 55-1, and now The Athletic and numerous other freelancing. Um, but uh, you look at this, and it's baffling in how the USL thinks this is stable, uh, sustainable. Um, it's not safe. And there's so many players who are hidden. Um, they, they can't put out their opinions because if they do, they're going to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is, they, they've, they've got to get paid, you know, and they don't get exactly. paid much to play lower league soccer. You don't. It's almost, it's almost as if you need a part-time job to go with it, which sucks. And it says a lot about how, uh, how um, money and finances are worked in this country in terms of wages and everything too. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's another conversation for another time. But uh, you know, it's not a sustainable system. And the USL really needs to look at this and say, we're putting people's livelihoods at risk, their families, their, their, their children. 
their the locker room, the entire staff, you know, it, it, it's just too much of a risk to not have a bubble. The NWSL, great job. MLS, you've done a great job. You started, started, started a little weary, did a great job following through. The NBA, zero positive cases right now. Everybody except Lou Williams can celebrate. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, oh my uh, gosh! Talk yeah, about another conversation for another time. My goodness! And uh, you know what? Uh, I forget the name of the restaurant that Lou Williams. Magic um, City. Magic City. Um, it's a gentleman's club, but it's also a restaurant. He made the case that he just went there for food. Just went for the wings. Best wings he's ever <laughs> had, right? Well, what was it? Oh, I forget who the athletic writer was, but an athletic writer went there, tried the wings, and put a picture of them on social media. And Lou Williams. If it genuinely did go there for the food, I get it. They looked immaculate. I love wings, and those look stellar. Um, but but the, he did a food write-up on the wings and how good they were. And I guess Magic City's um, uh, sales have gone through the roof. Oh, over I'm the sure they have. Weeks. Oh God! And he's got he really <laughs> as a ten-day quarantine now. Like he's missing. His you almost gotta wonder if this game. was like has some like under the table sponsorship thing that Lou Williams decided to do <laughs> considering the players aren't getting their full contracts this year. I don't know. It's like a full on conspiracy theory, but I read something about that. Oh, I mean, we're, we're, if we're going into bat, the world of the basketball bubble right now, there's one more thing I got to talk about. I forget who it was. I want to say it was CBS sports put out a, uh, an NBA, the bubble video of a, of a reporter just constantly picking up the, 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 uh, the, the phone and ring. Chris Hassel. He's, yes, uh, he's from close to where I'm from in, in Iowa. Okay. And, uh, and so he's, and he's kind of a somewhat local celebrity in my hometown. But that was hilarious. The, the, the snitch line, the, corn, the, the snitch bubble line snitch video. line was, oh, my gosh. My, my, my favorite thing is, is that he picks it up and he goes, wait, Jimmy Butler has how much time is he? No, no, that's fine. I just didn't know it came in gallons. <laughs> and that, that just got me. Like, yeah. I don't think I laughed harder throughout the entire video than that one that one yeah. sequence. It was phenomenally done. And uh, NBA, the Ringer desk, the the Ringer's NBA desktop has done another phenomenal video, a parody of Frozen's "Let It Go," but the bubble instead. And it's um, it, it's so funny. Well done. There's a lot of great things going on in the NBA in their bubble in terms of media. Um, and of, of course, they have a little more money in the bubble than uh, MLS and NWSL. They've got they set up a full-on barber shop for uh, uh, players. They've got a liquor store they brought in there. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're fine. If like, you're a, circling back to what we were talking about, though, if you're a league like the NBA with all that money, you can make it happen in this environment. Oh yeah. But if you're the USL, I mean, they're only testing guys once a week, and only in the most dire of, of circumstances are guys getting follow-up tests. Again, just talk about the sustainability of that model. It's not. It's it's really not. Yeah, and, and frankly, like NBA is doing a good job. MLS did a good job. NWSL, fantastic, hundred yeah. percent, A plus job. Um, USL, you failed. You didn't even come close to passing, yeah. and you haven't even gotten halfway through it. Um, it's disappointing. It's disappointing. It is. Um, so let's move on now uh, to talk about Minnesota United. Um, advance via penalty kicks 2-1 to knock off Columbus in the round of 16. So now they're, yep. now they're in MLS's back quarterfinals. You know, it, it's a familiar sight for Minnesota United fans to look at the possession and see you guys getting out possessed, you know, 2-1, yep. and yet coming up on top on the scoreline. 
you know, we saw that the possession start to get a little better for Minnesota United earlier in the season. And even in the, you know, for, for the most part of the Colorado and RSL matches, uh, excuse me, the KC and the RSL matches, but they, they seem to find, this team seems to find a way to make the most of their time on the ball, even though they're not necessarily getting a lot of it. And we saw more of that against, against Columbus. Yeah. Um, I think you look at this. I mentioned this with Eli in our post-game show over on Slim. I genuinely think this might be Adrian Heath's um, best performance as a Minnesota United manager. Uh, a quote-unquote tactical masterclass, as Twitter likes to put it to <laughs> European standards. Um, I genuinely think Heath planned perfectly for this match. Hassani Dotson um, didn't do anything all game in terms of production, but I think he was our best player on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, him, or, him or Ozzy Alonso, and the reason being is he plays the destroyer role. And the destroyer role is somebody who is there to um, irritate Darlington Nagby, to bug him, to make him make stupid um, decisions, and that is all Hassani Dotson did all game. He played that destroyer role perfect. Completely um, took him out and of I, the game. I loved it. I loved every, every second of it. I'm watching this, and I'm looking at Dotson, and I'm like, He's, he's, he's a 23-year-old kid shutting down Darlington Nagby. Well done. Like, fantastic work. Ozzy Alonso off the ball, shutting down Lucas Zellerayan. And Zellerayan is playing the 10. Ozzy's dropping into almost a, uh, a deeper six than we usually have. Mm-hmm. And by shutting down Zellerayan, he basically cut Zardes out of the game. Because Jesse Zardes doesn't do a whole lot on his own. What makes yeah. him a good striker is, is the fact that he gets good service. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's why he's never produced on the national stage as much as uh, as much as uh, he, he did. That's in That's a very uh, interesting point because I was noticing oh. that a lot of like you know a lot of like the highlight packages that they put out. Um, a lot of Zarda's highlights, especially early, especially early on in this tournament. I mean, he is receiving the ball in A plus goal scoring positions, and where you would think any any you know national team caliber striker would be able to put those away. So you're right. I mean, he's not really going to create much on his own. He just he takes advantage of the opportunities that are presented to him, which, you know, kudos to him. Like that's, you know, that does make him kind of a step above uh, and, and one of the, you know, I'd say uh, one of the best strikers that we've seen so far in the MLS's back tournament because he's able to make the most of those decisions and end up putting the ball in the back of the net consistently. But you're right. He does need that service. He needs that play to him in order to make that happen. And when you cut off those supply lines, you know, as we saw, he really wasn't too much of a factor. No, he, I mean, he was subbed out of the game, I want to say 75th or 80th minute. 80th it was minute. In the 80, which, which surprised me, considering penalty kicks were, were coming You'd want him as a spot kick taker for sure. But, um, you know, Caleb Porter's a good coach. He had everything on his mind. I don't think the crew took bad penalties, really. No, they didn't. I just think Tyler Miller was on his A game. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, stash, uh, the stash. The stash wins, man. King. Stash, the stash wins. King. The yes, power sir. of the stash. Power of the stash. I yeah. love it. Uh, but in terms of Minnesota United's production on the field, um, I think this might have been their best performance of the tournament uh, defensively and in the midfield and on the wings. I think Robin Lode probably had his betterish game in a Loons mm-hmm. uniform, but his betterish game is also subpar to most of MLS's winger standards. Yeah, talking about um, service, I mean, he, he to me, Lode – he's only really good when he's in the middle of the field and he's close to goal, right? Yep. When he's out on the wing, 
and I guess we can, we can get into our, our load diatribe here. Um, you know, the service was not great from Robin load, but to me, Adrian Heath is willing to take that. He understands that that's what load is. I feel like there's this stigma around Adrian Heath that he is blind when it comes to Robin loads abilities. And he's, you know, he's, he's unknowingly putting him at the left wing thinking that he's, you know, going to provide quality service and quality buildup play and attack. When really, I think he's more than understands that, and he's willing to trade that for what Lowe does tracking back defensively, especially when we see Chase Gasper, uh, you know, pressing up the field as much as he is. I think okay. he's being a defensive-minded coach or running a defensive-centric system right now at Minnesota United, he is more than willing to make that trade with Robin Lowe. I think that's why we continue to see him at that spot specifically in the starting eleven. That's just my, I think my that's opinion. A, that's fair. But I also look at it and I say Raheem Edwards is a better player. True. True. Yeah, that's just my take. I don't want to get too deep into it because I don't like bashing players. I think no. it's uh I think it's I think it's I think it's warranted once or twice if it's mm. if it's there. But uh continuously bashing them is unfair um because they are still uh trying their best on the field and you know that. And sometimes Absolutely. it doesn't work out. I think a prime example of that is Francisco Calvo. Um mm continually continuously bashing him never improved his play he consistently got worse <laughs> so uh mm-hmm. hey you know what it happens um maybe robin load isn't the right guy for minnesota united but until the replacement is found he probably won't leave the starting 11 as much as we'd like him to um so mm-hmm. i think we'll leave it at that and we'll move on to a couple different aspects of the loons uh team and um, one of them i really want to talk about is striker um Luis Maria is I don't know what's going on. I look his at it and his I say, touches have not been great. He's either still harboring an injury from that first game where he was pulled out in pregame warmups um, against Sporting Kansas City, or he's just um, maybe not the striker we saw in preseason. Maybe something's changed out of fitness from COVID. Um, mm-hmm. back COVID factoring in four months layoff. I don't know, but his runs were awful mm-hmm. against um, the Columbus Crew. His supporting runs for Ethan Finley weren't there when um, either young Gregus or Hassani Dotson needed him in the uh, to, to to kind of move into a ten roll for just a quick pass and uh, one, a one two. He wasn't there. He he just his service was awful. He wasn't there. He just he looked super out of it. And then Aaron Schoenfeld came on the game in the substitute role, and he didn't do a whole lot either. He scored a great penalty in the penalty shootout though, mm-hmm. but Schoenfeld was a He's not really a – you don't really bring him on for goals. You bring him on for hold-up play. If you've got a 2-1 lead, that's when you bring him on because he'll secure mm-hmm. a little a little more time for you. Um, I don't know who's going to start against the Quakes. Maria has a goal against the Quakes back in March. Uh, they lose one, uh, 5-2, and uh, Maria was part of that uh, five-goal threat. And, uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of striker this Saturday. Aaron Schoenfeld gotten the minutes off the bench. He uh, probably deserved them after his performance against Sporting KC. Yep. But we know Mason Toy. We know what he can do. We know that he is uh, a better player on the counter. We know he's a better player if you're looking for a through ball, if you're playing a, a little higher up than usual. Um, and I'd love to see him get some minutes against San Jose. I just don't know if Luis Almeria is healthy enough right now to be starting considering he uh he just looks out of it i don't know what's mm-hmm. going on he looks 
he doesn't look like the player we saw in preseason and back in March. And you also got got a got to think about Toy's health too. Is that playing a factor yeah. in why we haven't seen him over the last couple of matches as well? Is that is that rib injury or side injury a little bit more? Um, That's fair. More serious than originally, you know, we, I we guess originally thought. I look at him being on the bench as being healthy. If you're mm-hmm. if you're ready to suit up for game day, you're ready to play. Yeah. If you're not ready to suit up for game day, you shouldn't be on the bench. That's fair. I mean, especially what we've seen with Kevin Molino not being available the last two matches. That seems to be Adrian Heath's mo. Uh, if you know if you're mm-hmm. if you're in the if you're there you know you're you're fit so yep. uh, that that makes a that makes a ton of sense too. I want to talk a little bit more about Hassani Dotson because yeah he was excellent <laughs> hand, handling Darlington Nagby and that performance in a vacuum I think would would stand out to a lot of Minnesota United fans and bring a lot of praise. But considering that that over the course of this tournament he really has not had an impact in the attacking third, another match of that seems to be bringing a little bit of frustration to to the United faithful. Um, are we – is that just kind of not what he's being asked to do right now? Are our expectations for Dotson as a, as a potential goal scorer or impact in the attack, are they a little bit too high right now? How do you see that dynamic working? You, I mean, what do you want from Hassan Dotson other than to shut down Darlington Maybe He played mm-hmm. his job perfectly against the crew, and I – genuinely think that's maybe just a misconception by soccer fans they don't understand the destroyer role Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of people who follow the game more closely do um and he he executed his role perfectly against the crew um honestly he hasn't had a a fantastic tournament that's blown me away Mm -hmm. he's been good though he's been really good he's he's uh he's shown that he's a he's probably a u.s men's national team fringe player caliber player right now uh maybe he uh maybe he moves into a uh an actual pool player soon, mm-hmm. but um, I genuinely think Hassani Dotson is—he's an—he's—he's he's a weird, weird midfielder. He doesn't—he can't play the six. The six isn't his position. Mm-hmm. But as an eight, he doesn't do a whole lot on the ball. He's more of an off-the-ball player. Whereas if you give him this sort of free-roaming midfielder role in between an eight and a ten. I don't, there's, there's, there's no name for it. Mm-hmm. That's where he's best. Tell Hassani, say, the midfield is yours. Do what you have to do. That's, that's, that's the best we get out of Hassani Dotson. Um, the destroyer role is fine, but it doesn't help him on the ball. The whole six role isn't him. He, he doesn't have the ability to move forward like he does. Dotson is genuinely just a free-roaming midfielder. That's the role he needs to play. And I guess I relate that to someone kind of like uh, Marco Verratti with PSG. Not a six, not an eight, just a free-roaming midfielder. Can I just make an observation here? You made a comparison without making a Chelsea comparison. So I'm going to give you a a round of applause on that one. Congratulations. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, But uh, Hassani Dotson is one of the most uh, misunderstood Minnesota United players, probably. he does what's asked of him, I think. And maybe that's not what you want to see, but he does what's asked of him. Mm-hmm. He does his role perfectly. So I don't know what else to say. Um, he's, been a, he's, he's been so consistent this tournament um, within doing what we'd expect of him that maybe we just have too high of expectations because we expect more. Yeah, that, that, um, that, that makes sense. And if you want a hot take, I'm going to say Jose Aha has had a better tournament than Michael Boxer even though he conceded that really, 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 really bad penalty yeah. against the crew. 
he's had a better tournament overall than Michael Boxel. I think he's been the best, aside from Roman Metinair, um, I think he's been the best, most consistent uh, influence on that on that back line in this tournament. Again, aside from the from the penalty, which uh, we I guess if you want to talk about that, that was I think just inexperience and just a, a really bad in moment decision making to to go for that. I don't want to concede. Did. I've got to figure out how to stop him. Oh, sh- oh shoot! Like I I I stamped on his calf. Crap! Like it's one of those moments. It happens so quickly. There's nothing he can do about it after he already commits. Um, and it's a learning experience. Um, learning experience for him yeah i mean um, you get you got to have those you're going to have especially with these younger guys i mean aha uh-huh, isn't is is experienced in terms of his his role in the chilean premier league and internationally um very low amount of mls experience um so you're going to have those growing pains with a guy like aha uh-huh. um but uh you know i think i think like you said it's a learning experience for him i don't really expect him to do any to do anything like that again if he does yeah. then then you see it as a problem but uh, I think overall, as you said, he has done an excellent job in this tournament filling the shoes of Ike Opara. Absolutely. And um, Brent Coleman is now back as well. His suspension is over. The Loons have another um, center back depth option going into Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. Whether or not you see a three back deployed by uh, Adrian Heath, as many of us have asked, um, mm-hmm. is still up in the air. I yeah. genuinely don't see it happening. But, uh, oh, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It'd be cool. I think uh, I think if you go into halftime against San Jose and you're up 2-0, maybe you look on bringing in a defender and holding your lead because they're going to bring on Chris Wondolowski, who will undoubtedly make a fool of at least Fox or Oraha somehow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. it'll just happen. That's his role. Uh, he'll score the worst goal of the tournament, and it'll end up being an influential um, goal somehow in a comeback or in a game winner. Um, so I always, I always say that I don't want to talk about Reynoso until I see something solidified, but John champion yeah. did say on the broadcast that, uh, a transfer had been, had been completed or had been yep. agreed upon for Minnesota United and Emmanuel Reynoso. Um, interesting enough, interestingly enough though, since that announcement on the broadcast, we have really seen nothing, at least from American media, Minnesota media, you know, things like that, confirming that. So yeah. it's still a point where, you know, we have them, but we don't have them. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're in, final, we're in final stages, but then, you know, it's then all of a sudden there's, there's another team involved that doesn't want to give up their percentage. Or, you know, it's just there's so many different factors. I don't know where we should put the Reynoso uh, discussions at right now in terms of his possibility of being a member of Minnesota United in the August transfer window. And I think um... – I'm not going to say much about it because it's been rumored. It's, it's the rumors there. Um, Champion said there's an agreement. Um, Argentinian media, media say there's an agreement. But um, how I like to put it is I will not say anything until I hear a report from Jeff Reuter of The yep, Athletic. Exactly. I'm the same um, way, man. Because <laughs> Jeff, Jeff does it best. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I trust everything that Jeff puts out there. He'll never put out a false story. Um, and uh, I guess we go from there. Um, maybe you know you'll see um, uh, something, something from Sports Illustrated, uh, from, from Sports Illustrated, from Bleach to report from uh, ESPN or something. If they come up with the story first, too, yeah. Stephen Goff sometimes gets those those, those, those news bits and he'll report them. Um, but uh, you know, it's a wait and see for Minnesota United. If anything else happens, he happens. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Um, I think the bigger storyline is um, do you keep Chacon? 
that, that was leading into my next my next uh topic here of discussion because that is the that is the conundrum as i call it for for minnesota united right now what do you do with your 19 year old dp um it's obvious hey there you go that's always on hand you always got that within yeah. arm's reach i respect yep. i respect that um yep. It's it's interesting because we were led to believe, and I don't know if this was just from our own volition or or if you know we were reading enough of what we should from Adrian Heath and company that this was going to be a year where Thomas Chacon was going to be a a regular you know role player for Minnesota United on the pitch. He's made he's made <laughs> one appearance for a half in this season so far. He hadn't dressed up until the MLS's back tournaments. He's nineteen. What do you do? I'm the, my first thought is send him out on loan. But, you know, can you do that? And then when you do that, can you afford, you know, if somebody goes down, if, if something happens where you need to make a formation switch, can you afford to not have that depth there? That's, that's I think, the, the balance you, you look at when it comes to Minnesota United and how Chacon's role is going to proceed. I think the ideal situation is you send Chacon out on loan but then you factor in, um, can you send somebody out on loan to a different country during COVID-19? No. Can you send a DP down to the USL? No. No. That's such a bad look. Um, <laughs> I guess a terrible look. If you send a DP on loan to Ford Madison, to yeah. Bethlehem Steel, to the New York Rebels, to whoever it is, it's just, that's an awful look. You can't do that. Um, Tomas Chacon is an interesting, interesting situation. Um, I don't think he sticks around much longer. I think the kid needs starting minutes. Um, yeah, he, need, he needs field time. Or transfer. Need, absolutely. And I think the loons can take the hit here and say maybe he wasn't the player we hoped he'd be. Or, you know, you say he will be. But yeah, he, needs he doesn't, you know, so he doesn't really fit in right now, year, but we need to get him some minutes and, you know, we do see a, still see a future with him. I think that's the route you got to take if you're Minnesota United because you can't be – you can't go five games in with 45 minutes worth of legitimate playing time and say, no, he's not the guy. Like you, that's talk about bad luck. Like that just wait, considering the DP slot, considering his youth, you, I just think you simply can't do that if you're Adrian Heath, but if you send him on loan with the, with the thought that, okay, he's going to get at minutes. He's going to get the time he needs. He's going to lock some things in. So that way he's ready when we need him. No, that's, I think is something you can, you can do. For sure, 100% agree there. And I think um, I think if you loan him out, don't loan him out for a season. I think it's a two-year loan you need to make. Um, a two-year loan agreement with a uh, recall clause, with a recall factor. Absolutely, after you one need season. that. You need that clause in there, for sure. You have to have a recall, a recall clause in there, but I don't think you throw the recall clause in for the first season. I think you throw it in for the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've got enough depth on the wings right now that you're fine. Um, Marlon Harrison, Rakeem Edwards, Robin Lode, Ethan Finley, Kevin Molino, um, and potentially Emmanuel Babelo Reynoso. So they're not all fine. Tomas Chacon can, can get some starting minutes somewhere. He can continue his growth and development, maybe get a haircut. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll go from there. Hey, his, his, quarantine, uh, his quarantine salad up there is, is pretty nice, though, I have to say. It's David so he's embracing it pretty well. Marcelo, David Luiz. Um, the OG marijuana Fellaini hair. <laughs> so. All right. So let's talk about this matchup with San Jose. Um, the 5-2 win back in, back in March seems to be, uh, you know, one of the first thoughts on a lot of Minnesota United fans' minds. Um, obviously, it's going to be on the minds of the San Jose fans and players, kind of with the chip on their shoulder as they come in 
to uh, to that Saturday matchup. San Jose, I think, has been one of the better teams in this tournament. So how do you see this game playing out from a tactical standpoint, and, and how do you see this matchup? I think you have to worry more about Vakakashvili and uh, Magnus Eriksson than Chris Wondolowski because Wondolowski won't be playing until the 75th minute, probably. Yep. 60, 65th onward, let's say. Let's, let's make it safe, 65th onward. That's 35 minutes maximum in Chris Wondolowski. But that's over 60 minutes of um, uh, Magnus Eriksson and Vako Kashasvili, who have been very good this tournament. Vako especially, especially. Especially, yes. That's, that's the word. I got it right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's all right. It's still um, early for you. It's still early for you. Oh, no, no. It's more so I just uh, – you say cautious Vili, then you say especially. That's so true. It's one of the, they, they run together. I'll give you a pass. Yeah. Anyways, Vako, um, very good player. Very good on and off the ball. Um, can get um, behind in those uh, counter situations. Um, I think this is an entirely different game than the crew. Yep. I think you – this is harder to prepare for than the crew. And the reason being is San Jose are so unpredictable. Um, March San Jose could show up or July San Jose could show up. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthias Almeida is a phenomenal coach. Uh, that's it. You know, you look at it and you say, this is, this is a game where uh, it's going to be harder to read film because of their inconsistency so far this year. It's going to be harder to analyze Vaco and Erickson, especially because they've had good 2020s, but not so great 2019. Chris Wondolowski is probably the only player you can prepare for. And uh, uh, Jackson Ewell. <laughs> Jackson Ewell is going to be uh, uh, needed to be dealt with. And I think you see the 4-3-3 roll that with Dotson and the destroyer roll again. I think you've got to shut Ewell down. Um, and if you do that, mm-hmm. I think you shut down the likes of uh, Vaco and Erickson. There are no injury reports in the MLS's back tournament, so it's it's tough to gauge, you know, the the status of some of these guys. But I feel like Adrian Heath uh, and Minnesota United have been specifically kind of keeping it close to the vest regarding Kevin Molino's status game by game. Do we expect to see him, or do we do we continue to see what we've seen the last couple matches with the four three three with uh, with Dotson? That's tough. Um, I think Molino might be more influential off the bench come Saturday. Um, yeah. I think you need a destroyer role against Jackson Ewell, but I also think you might struggle with creating more due yeah. to Jackson Ewell. Um, Ewell's on the same level as Nagby. If you don't shut him down, he's going to shut you down. So if Nate Dotson doesn't do his job, you're going to need Molino in that 10 row. You're going to need to sub off a midfielder. So it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a win-lose or lose-win. Um, so I think maybe you see Molino as more of a halftime switch if mm-hmm. the first half doesn't work out um, because you don't want to rush his, you don't want to rush somebody who's injury prone. Mm-hmm. I think one uh, of the things that has impressed me from Minnesota United uh, last couple matches is we've seen teams cut off Roman Mentoner's ability to counterattack by attacking yeah. him on that side of the field. And that I think far and away is, is always Minnesota United's best chance to score when, when Metnair and Finley are working on the overlap and the counterattack. But yet Minnesota United has continued to stay in these matches and continue to find goal scoring opportunities. And they've virtually come out with two draws when you, if you take out the, the penalty kicks, obviously. Um, yeah. do, you, do you see San Jose taking that same approach? Or do you, see them, do you see them doing something different against Minnesota United, potentially opening up the game a little bit more? I don't think San Jose has an approach, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, they're an inconsistent team. They're uncertain. Uh, they are 
They are Matthias Almeida's weird, wacky, unpredictable system of coaching. And I think that's what makes them so great. Um, They're one of the better teams throughout the first um, three quarters of MLS last year. They fell off in September and October. But, um, you know, anything can happen. And I think from a Minnesota United standpoint, um, you should more so focus on uh, um, penalty kicks again. The penalty kicks were phenomenal against the crew. They chose placement over power, which I love. No stutter steps, no nothing ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Just go up and kick the ball. Um, And I think you need to look at who's your starting striker. Um, Does Kevin Molino Molino play? Do you go with a four-back again, or do you bring in Brent Coleman if he's fit to continue to allow Romain Metnair and Chase Gasper a little more attacking roles? Um, Do you play two strikers? What do you do, you know? I think tactics are more of a talk than anything about else about this game. I think that's going to be the main conversation Adrian Heath is having with his technical staff, with Mark Watson, with Manny Lagos, with uh, the players, everybody. I think, so just speaking from a personal standpoint, from a transparency standpoint, the tactical side of soccer is something that I personally am still learning about. And okay. still learning about how different formations bring out the most in different, different positions and different players you need okay. in certain formations. Minnesota United seems to very much excel and be very dangerous in set pieces. Free kicks and corner kicks seem to be, you know, every single time it seems to be a, a very, very high goal scoring chance based on the service that Jan Gregus brings. Is there something that Adrian Heath can adjust tactically to potentially generate more set piece chances for Minnesota United? Um, No. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> that was more of a curiosity question than anything. Uh, maybe the only thing is getting more overlapping play from Ethan Finlay and Romain Metinair. Um, Maybe get a few more corners out of that right-hand side of pitch. Um, I don't know. I, it's a tough question because Jan Gregor's service is immaculate. Yeah. His, uh, his, his pinpoint accuracy is impeccable. And Hassani Dotson can also take free kicks. Um, mm-hmm. Robin Lode cannot. We found that out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Luis Amaria actually tried to take one back in March too. Mm-hmm. Um, took the helmet once. So I he think he, he was there. If 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 I'm not mistaken, in those first couple matches, uh, he was more of uh, their option for direct free kicks. If I yeah. if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And you know, if he if he can hit him, he can hit him. I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But Young Greg Goose is uh, consistent and reliable in that situation. So I'm gonna stick with Greg Goose. But if uh, we find out that Almeria can hit him, go for it. Yeah. Um, from a tactic standpoint, four three three, four two three one are the options I think on mm-hmm. the table for this weekend. I don't think we see a five back, but if we do, it's a halftime switch. Got it. All right, that'll be interesting to watch. And like I said, you can catch Jacob Schneider and Eli Hoff from Eplerbus Lunum on the pregame show at 6 o'clock or 6.30? 6.30. We're going to run a little shorter because we're going to try and do a little bit of an extended postgame show, uh, a little roundtable with you, David, and Eli. Yep, so me, myself, and David Naylor, both from zonecoverage.com, will be joining the postgame show after a hopeful Minnesota United win and advancement to the semifinals of the MLS's back tournament. Um, I think uh, Jacob and I agree this might be their biggest test so far. Um, yeah. And I think, considering what happened back in March, I know, I know this is a much different time, um, in terms of any sort of season we get post-tournament, even if they don't win, this will be a big measuring stick 
game for Minnesota United in terms of where they really rank among not only the Western conferences, but the league's best teams. Um, Because they're up there right now, but this is going to be your, this is your prove it game if you're Minnesota United. I think if you beat San Jose and you make the semifinals of the MLS Blues Back Tournament, um, you'll probably, question mark, probably, question mark, end up falling to the likes of LAFC. But that's still an impeccable achievement. Well done, you know? Losing to LAFC is nothing to be, uh, nothing to be ashamed of, especially the way they're playing right now. Good. With My the, goodness. Diego Rossi is unreal. <laughs> yeah. I can understand why Fiorentina want to splash $25 million on him. Yeah, absolutely. I can understand why anybody would. Okay. Him and Federico Chiesa would be unreal in Serie A. Yeah, uh, I think I think a lot of those guys from LAFC. I mean, they're 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 international potential players that are just dominating MLS right now. And I think for sure, for sure. I think uh, you know anybody who matches up with them, no matter who it is, uh, it, it's 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 a tough matchup. As we saw with Seattle, we thought Seattle was their best matchup, and it was just mm-hmm. an absolute shellacking. Uh, yeah. Seattle, you know, I, I don't want to talk about my Xavier Arriaga take. Um, we're going to leave that out of the show. Um, if you want to, if you want to embarrass me or roast me, you can go to my Twitter and you can find that. But we're not going to talk about that. No. Um, uh, Seattle, uh, you know, they, they weren't there. Raul Rui Diaz had an awful game. Absolutely awful for Seattle. LAFC stomped them. Um, but anything can happen in MLS is back. MLS mm-hmm. is weird. It's unpredictable. MLS and is frankly, drunk. MLS is drunk. MLS after dark is of all the drunk. MLS is just no more drunk. There you go. Fair enough. All right, Jacob <laughs> Schneider, MLSsoccer.com writer, e pluribus lunum contributor. Uh, thank you so much for the time, man. We've been talking for a good hour and a half here. So uh, I really do oh, appreciate course. it. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, again, we'll get together uh, Saturday night for the postgame show. For sure, for sure. No, not really. So he'll like clip like off-air conversations and he'll play oh. them like right at the beginning of his, okay. of his show. I feel like we got to say something kind of outlandish, you know, for the, like for the first one. Yeah. Minnesota United is sweeping the tournament the rest of the way through. Well, they would, they would have to if they want to win the whole thing. Well, like I'm not, I'm not just saying sweep and like, the, oh, one goal, oh, penalties. Like I'm talking – our goal differential. Like they don't give up a goal the rest of the tournament. Bingo. Bingo. Okay, that's your hot take. Minnesota United will not give up a goal the rest of the tournament. Um, I'm trying to think of one, man. Load is good. Robin Load will be the MVP of the MLS's back tournament. There we go. He's putting- that's mine. I don't know if they'll have an MVP trophy, but if they will, he'll he'll be holding it by the end of it. That's my that's my hot it's, take. Like you know those like long pillows they put on. Uh, hotel beds <laughs> you know it's gonna be one of those from like whatever resort they're staying at it's gonna be like you know how like they like etch like the name into the trophy so it's gonna be embroidered 
onto yeah, the they, onto the pillowcase. And just gonna be absolutely covered in ads. Like everything MLS just has a ton of ads. It's gonna be shaped. The pillow is gonna be shaped like the Adidas logo. Mickey Mouse will wear his jersey. Like, you know how they have like the big one? <laughs> but he'll just have a Robin jersey running around. He'll have to wear it for a, a month. The Mickey Mouse will have to wear Robin Lowe's jersey for a month. Yeah, at, exactly. At Walt Disney World. I like it. 